Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. So this uh, year, uh, in 2020, we've been looking at... um, What I've been thinking of as, as kind of God's um, resolutions to us, His promises uh, to us that have um, very little or often nothing to do with the things that, that we do in the year, but the promises that God uh, makes uh, towards us. And so today we're looking at one of uh, my, uh, another one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, uh, chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 6, and we'll, we'll come back to that in just a minute, and we're going to look at the context around it just like we did, just like we did last week. Uh, but I wanted to start uh, with, with a question on that next slide. Um, this is a question that um, someone asked me when I was a junior hire in church. Um, when I was in confirmation growing up, my pastor asked me, you know, what is God trying to teach you right now? And as we were going through confirmation uh, a few times of the year, he'd have one-on-ones with each of us, and he'd ask us, what do you think uh, God is trying to teach you right now? And the first time uh, he asked me that question, um, and oftentimes I, I stole it um, because I thought it was a good pastory question. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes when I ask other people, the first time I heard this question, I, I had no idea how to answer that question. Uh, and maybe, maybe you have some idea in your head right now, uh, maybe not. But oftentimes the first time you hear that question, you're just like, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know about you, but Often I'm uh, a little too focused on the things that are just right in front of me uh, to think or even imagine that God might be at work in those circumstances trying to teach me something. Uh, but my uh, challenge uh, that was given to me and that I give to you and to others every time I get a chance is uh, to ask this question more often because the more you ask it, the more... Um, <laughs> the more you learn, the more you start to think, you know, maybe there is, and it's not that these things that happen in our lives, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, it's not that God is orchestrating this problem to, like, teach you a lesson, but, but oftentimes uh, God teaches us things in uh, those things that are going on in our life. Um, and so, you know, oftentimes, I know for myself, we're a little too focused, um, but I found myself uh, asking this question um, last uh, Friday afternoon um, because, uh, and this is a little, pastors are, are regular people too. It was my, my day off, Friday afternoon, I was really excited. I was actually sorting through some of our clothes that we're going to, some of my clothes that I'm going to keep and, and get rid of. And I got a, I got a message from our guest uh, preacher today, Leanne, that she wasn't going to be here. <laughs> and, um, you know, said a prayer for her. She's doing great. I was bummed out for everybody. Uh, but, of course, my first thought was like, are you kidding me? Come on, you know, um, I had spent all week uh, getting, getting ready, doing other stuff at church for a Sunday that I wasn't going to preach, and then all of a sudden, uh, halfway through Friday, I was like, no! <laughs> and, uh, and I had to ask myself, um, I found myself um, frustrated <laughs> that I was going to have to prepare a sermon, you know, and for me, normally, it, it, this is some, a process that takes place over the course of, of numerous days, and so I'm like, I don't know how this is going to happen, um, how am I going to finish all this other stuff? And, and to be honest, when I was sitting in my office last Friday asking myself this question came to my mind in that moment, I, I'm not, I wasn't sure what the answer was. <laughs> um, 
And I'm still not sure, but maybe it was a chance. Uh, Those of you that know me well know I'm a planner that likes to be prepared and doesn't like surprises. Um, so, So here we are. Maybe it's a chance for God to Uh, teach me how to deal with surprises. But I I challenge you, uh, I challenge you to ask yourself this question today. Uh, Because God shows up when we do, I think, and I think it has a little bit to do with our scriptures today. So so like I mentioned, uh, in January we're looking at these these promises that uh, God makes to us. Um, These resolutions. Not not, um, commitments to do better in 2022, but promises that God makes to us regardless of what we do. And we can choose to respond to them or not, but but God makes these promises not dependent on on our action. They're dependent on His. And so so last week, um, we looked at Galatians 6, 9, and there's an encouragement in there. You know, don't grow weary of doing good. for at the proper time, we'll reap up a harvest if we don't give up. Um, last week, we talked about how we're invited uh, to, to not get tired because God is actually in charge of the, of the harvest. Um, that, that it's not, you know, it's important that we do our part, but, but that God uh, is the one that, that brings the harvest. He'll make sure that our doing good doesn't come back empty. We don't have to be in control of making sure things turn out perfectly. All we have to do, all we're invited to do is be faithful in the planting. Well, this week we're looking at another of my favorite promises, um, Philippians 1, 6, and it goes like this. Um, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, amen, right? And they're actually, when I was growing up, there used to be a, a praise and worship song, maybe. I'm looking at Sherry because she always knows these ones that I knew growing up, and it's, you know, and you just sing that same line over and over again. The one who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, in the, the context of this a little bit, Philippians chapter 1, um, Paul is, he's thanking God for, and he's praying for the Philippian church, these Christians in the city of, of Philippi, and he's expressing a statement of confidence. That's, that's what this is, and he's, he's giving it to them. He's encouraging them with it as well. And he's saying, the one that started working with you will finish uh, the work that that, uh, God is doing. Uh, And and, and I love this one. This is another, it's a good calendar Bible verse, right, for your page-a-day calendar. Uh, A good good one-liner. This is a message, right, all about learning to embrace the hope that God is actually at work in me. That that when I ask that question, what is God trying to teach me, that maybe God really is trying to teach me something— and maybe God really isn't done shaping me into the person that he's made me to be. I love this verse because it's, it's all about embracing that, that hope. And not just in yourself and in others. You know, what an encouragement to know, maybe a challenge to know that not only is God not done in Pastor Todd, but he's also not done in other people. And that sometimes when people drive you crazy, we can remind ourselves, well, God maybe isn't finished working on them just like he's not yet finished working on me. Now, this sounds like... Uh, good news, and for most of my life, I, I stopped right at that and said, this is good news, put it on the page a day calendar, print it out, I like to print things off and, and stick them on my computer monitor sometimes, put it on the wall, um, and that's normally where I stopped, um, but, but today, I, I want to spend some time looking through um, a little bit more what's going on here, looking at the, at the context, and so we're going to look at the beginning of, of Philippians here. We're just going to walk through it, uh, starting in, in verse 1, to get an idea of 
uh, you know, the question is, what kind of work has God doing in us, and what does it uh, maybe look like uh, to see that work completed? And I understand the words might be kind of small on this slide as well, but uh, you got you got your Bibles, and there's a really great uh, phone app called the U Version Bible. Awesome, you can read it right on there too. Uh, so Philippians one one through seven. We're just gonna we're just gonna walk through it. Uh, so verse one, Paul and Timothy. Uh, this translation says servants of Christ Jesus. Um, the better word probably is is actually slaves of Christ Jesus. It's an uncomfortable word, and so we we don't always. But servant sounds nicer, um, but, but Paul and Timothy, they think of themselves as, as wholly, completely under, under Christ. Uh, Paul and Timothy, um, they are people whose main thing, whose everything about how they live their lives is about following Jesus and what he commands. They are not uh, Jesus' servants that clock in in the morning and show up sometimes to serve Jesus and other times go home to hang out with their family. They are his, they see themselves as his slaves uh, who are totally... Uh, uh, under uh, who, who Christ is, as people whose main thing is living following Jesus. And this is important because it plays into how Paul thinks about faith in Jesus, what it means uh, to, to believe in Jesus. Because Paul believes, if you read some of our other uh, letters in the New Testament, um, the Bible teaches, and Paul believes, that, that every person, every human being, um, is a servant or a slave to something or someone. Uh, Paul believes that, that it's not so much a question of whether or not you're going to serve someone or something. Uh, it's a question of who is going to be that someone or something. Paul believes that everyone lives their lives following someone. Uh, some people, they might be slaves to leaders, um, or philosophies, ways of thinking about the world. Some people, uh, they're slaves to kings or, or presidents. Uh, some people, uh, you know, they're, they're filtering their energy, what it means to serve, right? To filter everything you think about, uh, every action that you do, to, to filter it, your thoughts and your actions uh, through that person or philosophy. And so if it's a, a way of thinking, you, you change the whole way of thinking based around this, and, and you do everything out of that. And oftentimes the people that we say we're following aren't, often the people that we actually are uh, slaves to. But Paul, Paul believes that every person is a slave to someone. People can be slaves to uh, pleasure or our, our impulses, um, living life to scratch every itch, to fill every hunger. Um, Paul would say, and the Bible teaches, that even people who think they're free are slaves to their own whims and natural impulses. And we know today, living in 2021, that if we're slaves to our feelings and natural impulses, oftentimes it means we're uh, slaves to the people or the companies who make an awful lot of money influencing our desires and influences um, and, and ideas about how we want to spend our lives. Even people that think they're free belong to someone. And so Paul in the New Testament argues that, that everyone is either a slave to the world or the flesh or to somebody on it. Uh, and if you're a slave to that, that's going to consume you. Or, or because of Jesus, we can be slaves to, to Christ. We can belong to Christ who cares for us. Uh, and so Paul says, that's um, who Timothy and I am. Uh, and that's who he believes the Philippians are. Fellow people who, who belong to, who are held on to and cared for 
by Jesus, whose lives are dedicated not to serving any of those other things, but but uh, dedicated to following after Jesus who cares for and loves them. So uh, that's a little aside, but, but we keep going. He keeps going. So he says, Paul and Timothy, servants or, or slaves of Jesus Christ, and the letter is written to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. And again, it's, it's the same thing. He's saying uh, it's from, from one slave to, to another who belongs to God, right? To another slave of God. He says, this is his classic beginning. He says, grace and peace to you. He's sending this greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes into this prayer of thanksgiving. He begins, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Uh, Paul, is, he's talking about these people that he loves and cares about, these co-workers in the faith. He's talking about how much joy he has about them. And then he explains why, where that joy comes from. He says, I, I always pray with joy. And verse 5, uh, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, because at some point, I met you and you joined in the work that I'm doing, in the uh, calling, in the life, in the being a servant of Christ that Paul is doing. Paul is grateful uh, that they're on the same team pulling together. He continues with this verse, and this is our verse. He says, uh, because of your partnership from the first day until now, I have great joy. And, and continuing on, I still have great joy, Paul says, because he's confident of this, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, so in other words, uh, Paul's saying, I have joy thinking about you guys because I was there when God started a good work in you. I've seen that good work in you and in your partnership in the gospel, in, in living uh, as, as one who belongs to Jesus, Paul says. Paul says, that good work that God started in you, I saw it when we first met, and I remember it, and I see it even now, and I'm confident that the same God that started that work in you when we first met and that's working on you now, that same God is going to finish what he started. He says, I, Paul, he's saying, like, I cannot wait to see what God does in and through you because I've seen the first two steps. And you can feel Paul's joy in this letter, especially this introduction. He continues in verse 7. He says, it is right, it is good for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And then he goes on to talk about his life circumstances. He says, and whether I am in chains or defending the confirming of the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You're all with me together in this. And it gives me such great joy. Verse 8. God can testify how I long for each of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul is celebrating being co-workers uh, in Christ with these people. Um, but, but we still don't really know exactly what, um, I don't think we've got to yet, exactly what Paul means. And I think Verse 9 actually keys into um, one of the ways Paul's thinking about the work that he shares with the Philippians and, and what it means to be a person who God has started working on and continued working on and promises to finish working on uh, because Paul has a prayer for them. He says, I know God will finish what he started, and then he prays about the work that God's doing in them in verse 9. He says, God's going to finish the work. What work will he finish? Well, let's look at, at verse 9. He says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Paul's saying, 
I, my prayer, this is my prayer for you, that, that the love inside you would, would grow in knowledge and what you know about, about the world, about God, and in depth of insight and wisdom, so that you might, through that growth of love, uh, be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Uh, so, so I don't, I, this, is, this is what I saw here. I don't, I don't know if you saw this too. If you saw this here, right? Uh, they, Paul start, or God started the work with them. He's continued to work with them. Paul's praying for that work. And the prayer is that the love that God planted in them would grow in knowledge and depth of insight so that they'll know how to respond. That their love will well up so much that they'll know what's best and pure for the day of Christ, uh, that their love would well up so much that the fruit of righteousness would come through, that it would pour out in every aspect of their lives, and that when people see that, it would be, verse 11, to the glory and praise of God. Paul's summing up this work. He's praying that God finished the work in him, that he finished what he started, and what God started is a work of love, that when it, it fruits, when it grows fully, is, uh, is all about an abounding love that transforms lives. So that it might be possible, so that they might have the love that it takes for them to be pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness. Paul prays that God will finish in them his work of love. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll see Paul describe how he's living that love out in his life. Uh, Paul talks about uh, even earlier, right, the, the chains that he's facing, the, the pressures that he's facing. He's talking about how some people are talking about Jesus just to get him in trouble and how difficult that is, but how he doesn't care because at least somebody's talking about the gospel. And then he talks about it, he says, and whatever happens to you, this is in verse 27, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says, whatever happens to you, may God's, uh, may the gospel flow out of your life. And so this is, this is the point. Um, this, is, this is, I think, what we have to grab on to today uh, as we look at this, at this scripture. Um, uh, number one, we already talked about. He who began a good work in us will finish it, right? Uh, God is at work in you, and he's at work in others, even when you can't see it. Um, this reminds us and, and should remind, reminds me and should remind us every single day that, that God has not finished working on any of us, that none of us have made it down to the end of the path, and that he's certainly not finished in, in the lives of people around us. None of us have arrived, but uh, God won't leave us unfinished. And so that's the first thing. And the, the second thing is this. Uh, you know, God is at work in us. God is at work in others. I mean, you can go ahead and put that next slide up there too. Um, uh, finally, right, God finishes what he starts. And then at the end, oh, it looks like that slide didn't upload. That's okay. No, that's not your fault. Um, <clears throat> God finishes what he starts. And, and the, the second thing is that that work, the work that God's doing in you and in me and others, even when they drive us crazy, that work is all about the gospel, uh, which is at its, at its root a gospel of love. Uh, because when you read the gospels in Scripture, when you read how Paul describes what, what God has done, and when we read how Scripture has described um, what, what God did in the world, we know it's a gospel of, of love. Um, and it's, it starts as a seed of love, and it grows and flows out in love's 
in the lives of others. Because I don't know if you know the story, uh, but in confirmation, we talk about it all the time, right? That the story of the world starts with God creating a good creation out of the abundance of his love. And that good creation, he loved human beings in it so much that he refused to force them uh, to follow after him. When he created human beings, he gave them the chance to turn their back on him. Imagine how much you have to love a creation to give it the freedom to spit in your eye. And if you read Genesis, that's what human beings do. Despite our sin and failure and evil, God still loves the world. And you read about it in the Old Testament again and again and again. There's all these examples. Even with God's special chosen people, they turn their back on him, they spit in his eye, they kick sand at him. You know, they do whatever they can to get away. And God lets them go, but he never stops loving them. He never stops giving them new chances. God loves the world still. In fact, he loves the world so much, if you've read the Gospels, that he sent his only son to live on that earth. And not just to teach about who God was, and not just to point to who God was, but to allow himself to die on that world's behalf. God loves the world so much, he sent his own son to die on its behalf. God refuses to give up on people. In Jesus and in the gospel, we see a perfect story of that, right? God's son in a broken world to a broken people. God's love carried out to the point of death on a cross for the very people who put him here, there. Imagine what it takes for somebody to have all the power active in creation and allow themselves to be beaten up and hung on a cross. Imagine what kind of love that is. And the story continues because God's love is active in that moment, defeating sin And when Jesus walks out of the tomb, it's God's God's love active in the resurrection. It's God's love defeating death and sin on behalf of failures and spitters in God's eyes like us. It's God's love offering us forgiveness and grace, even uh, even while we were still sinners. It's God's love that makes sinners new. And when Paul met the Philippians and he told them this story of God's love, it was God's love that started a work in them. And it's God's love that overflows so much that he desires to offer us eternal life in a renewed creation. And finally, at the very end, if you've noticed the story so far of the gospel, uh, we haven't hit anything that human beings have needed to do or successfully done, or, or should try extra hard to live up to. All we've talked about is what God has poured towards us, right? Uh, God's, God's love. And, so, and this is what Paul's talking about. He says, this is the God that started a work, that's continuing work, that will finish a work of love in you. And finally, at the very end of the story, after we've received all of the love, after Christ died for us before we could even imagine uh, turning towards him, After we've received so much love, we are invited to live our lives out of that love. On that one mission, to share a little bit of that love that God has showed us with the people in our lives, no matter what else we might have to let go of. Paul, uh, he was so secure in God's love that he could endure trials 
of any kind, that it didn't bother him that people were trying to get him in trouble by spreading the gospel because he knew that people would find out God loved them through that. It was worth it to him to be in chains. He was ready to abandon all other uh, things on earth that you might live your life in service to so that he could share that love with others. And we read Philippians, we can hear his, his joy, and he was overjoyed that the Philippians were partners in that same mission of love. As we read uh, Paul's words in Philippians, uh, as we read the words inspired by God's Holy Spirit as true scripture, we're invited to be partners in that same gospel of love. To trust that the God who planted that seed in us will finish the work that he started and to turn away from all of those different masters, all of those different things that seek to dominate our attention, that seek to, to capture the gospel and put it inside of their idea, and instead uh, accept Jesus' loving sacrifice on our behalf to allow God's Holy Spirit to make us new with God's love and sustain us with his life now and forever. And then if we accept that, if we look to Christ and we accept that, we finally get to join God and Paul and the whole church on God's mission to show love to the people that God has put in our paths, in God's mission to introduce people to his outpouring of love that can't be stopped. Um, at Bethel for the last few years as a church, um, we talk about that as our mission, to love God, to love others, and to make disciples because we believe that when Christ died on our behalf, it changed everything. And we've worked hard. The people that have served here, the leaders here, the people that have volunteered, and as a church, uh, we've worked hard to make sure that the things we do flow out of that gospel of love. That mission, that gospel, it's at the heart of the good news. And so wherever we are, wherever God calls us, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, wherever God has put us, we are invited to live like people who know they're loved by God and who know that God loves others. As your pastor, I hope that you've received that seed of love from your maker. I pray that you've looked to Christ, that you've accepted that gift and if you haven't, it's not too late. All we have to do is just turn and say, yes, Lord. You took every step. You sent your son. He lived. He died. He rose. You've done everything, even while I had my back to you. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord, forgive me and make me new with the good news of your love. And if you've done that, I believe the Holy Spirit, I believe God wants us to know that if God's planted that seed, if you've accepted that, God will finish what he starts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you made a world out of your generous abundance of love. You made human beings in your own image out of your generous abundance of love, and you loved those creatures, you loved us so much that you didn't force us to love you back. And then you spent all of human history being patient with us. All of human history offering opportunities 
to turn back to you so much that you sent your own son, your own self to live and die and rise again on our behalf. We're invited, Lord, and, and we thank you for inviting us just to turn to you and say, yes. If we've never done that before, Lord, you invite us to turn to you and say yes. And if we have, we thank you for being a God that finishes what he starts. I pray, Lord, that you would continue doing your work of growing a seed of love in all of the people here in this church, in this community, in this world that belong to you. And that out of that uh, seed of your love, that it would grow and overflow into the lives of others in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities that you would let that uh, love transform the way that we act in all places and with all people so that more people might know what that love looks like. We thank you for all of that that you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.